to the latest episode of our podcast series for advisors considering the independent space. Today's episode is how this Wells Fargo breakaway is thriving during the COVID-19 crisis, a conversation between Joseph Eshelman, president of Tower Point Wealth, and guest host, Louis Diamond. I'm Mindy Diamond, and this is Mindy Diamond on Independence. podcast is available on our website, diamond-consultants.com and on advisorhub.com, as well as Apple Podcasts and other major podcast platforms. If you are not already a subscriber and want to be notified of new show releases, please subscribe right on your favorite podcast platform or on the episode page on our website. And if you find the content in this series to be useful and know others who could benefit from it, please feel free to share it widely. The freedom to creatively market to clients is one of the primary goals of most breakaway advisors because to create a unique brand, messaging, and voice just isn't possible as an employee advisor. In speaking with many independent advisors during this crisis, it is this ability to freely communicate nimbly and without restrictions, which has proven to be pivotal in strengthening relationships with clients. And the bonus is that many of them are expanding their reach to prospects, enabling them to create new relationships and ultimately grow their businesses. Our guest in this episode is a firm believer in the power of marketing. In fact, while he felt he had been given much of what he needed to grow his business in the brokerage world, a critical aspect that he said was missing was the ability to market and communicate in unique and innovative ways. So in 2017, Joe Eshelman left Wells Fargo with the help of Dynasty Financial Partners and Schwab and launched Sacramento-based Tower Point Wealth. And the COVID-19 crisis has since opened his eyes to the real potential the freedom to communicate allows him. It was actually Lewis Diamond who has been keeping tabs on Joe's activity over the past few years, so I asked him to take over the mic today. They'll talk about Joe's breakaway journey and other key drivers that led him to form his own RIA. So I'll let Lewis take it from here. Joe, thank you very much for joining us on the show. Let's jump right in. My pleasure. Nice to talk with you this morning. Very good. So why don't you tell us about your background and just for some perspective, can you share with everyone how much in assets you manage today, what the business looks like, and any other um, helpful background information to give us a sense of how you got to where you are today? Sure. Happy to. So uh, born and raised in Pennsylvania, even though I've been in Sacramento 21 years, I came out here in uh, the spring of 1999. Followed my then girlfriend, now wife, 15 years. Uh, she came out here to study, and I decided to follow her. We've been here ever since. So, uh, in addition to being the best personal decision I ever made, it also was the best career decision I ever made, as I uh, had the opportunity when I saw a listing on Monster.com for a financial advisor in training program that was administered by Prudential Securities, and applied for and uh, got the job, and the rest is history. So uh, we've been active here at Tower Point Wealth for almost three years uh, after 18 years as a financial advisor for Prudential Securities, which was acquired by 
Wachovia, and then Wachovia was acquired by a Wells Fargo at the height of the financial crisis in 08. Was with the same firm for 18 years, just had three different names. Um, as far as assets under management here at Tower Point, depending on the day, we're at about $230, $235 million. And uh, certainly look forward to increasing that number, not only just because of the markets hopefully bouncing back, but continuing to be aggressive in what we're doing to expand the business and uh, prospect both uh, inorganically as well as organically. That's the big reason that we're having this conversation today is to learn much more deeply about some of the creative communication and marketing efforts you're deploying given the coronavirus that we're experiencing as the time of this recording. And right now, most parts of this country and most of the world are forced into remote working environments, creating home offices, if you will. So let's focus a little bit on that to discuss how you're able to navigate during these unprecedented times. How are you finding yourself spending your days? Lewis, in terms of you know how do we find ourselves spending our days, really short of the physical environment that we're in, uh, it might not be the most uh, you know pretty answer to your question, but really days are no different except that we're making phone calls from a headset instead of our phones in our offices, and you know working in you know wherever we're working in our homes instead of in our offices as well. I.e., we're still extremely busy and engaged with clients and prospects. How about given the market fluctuations and from most of the conversations that we're having, just our normal course of business, it seems like the financial advisor profession in general is extremely busy, whether it's dealing with nervous clients or kind of being your client's therapist or things like tax loss harvesting. Are you finding that you're working more and working differently, even regardless of where it is you're working physically? We certainly, you know, yes, 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 the three points that you made right there, and we can go into each one of those in detail if you would like. But yeah, absolutely. By choice, we're working more. I think obviously from the standpoint of just strictly the responsibility that we have to client, you always hear about brokers or advisors that are reticent to, to make the outgoing phone call and are, you know, they're not quote unquote hiding under the desk, so to speak, which always blows my mind understanding, you know, where the mindset that this literally is game seven of the World Series for financial advisors, and you're not able to uh, communicate and add value right now to both client relationships as well as prospective clients, then obviously, in my opinion, you're not in the right business. So it's been interesting because it is a fine line where we've diligently worked, Lewis, to coach clients and to educate clients about not only the process and the plan, you know, what we call the controllables that we have in place and we're going to continue to be diligent and following, independent of the market being up three, five, eight thousand points or down three, five, eight thousand points. We feel fortunate that for as busy as we've been, 90% of that activity has been proactive and not reactive. And we have not seen our phones ringing a lot. Email hasn't been chiming, I would say, any more than usual. And I think that's because we've taken the bull by the horns at Tower Point and made sure that, uh, you know, we're the, the aggressor, so to speak, in terms of uh, talking with clients. Another interesting point is clients in, as we've engaged in conversation with them, don't seem to care too much in general about the pie chart, about the investment, about the portfolio. And seemingly to myself, as well as to the two other advisors here at PowerPoint, 
are simply happy to A, have somebody different to talk to, have somebody intelligent to talk to that obviously has their finger on the pulse of things. And again, it's a bit cliche, but it's very, very true. Clients truly appreciate knowing that we're here for them, that we're looking out for them, that we do have the finger on the pulse of things, and in certain circumstances are being proactive about making some adjustments if we feel those adjustments you know, are justified. Yeah, so it sounds like a overall a pretty positive reaction from your client base. Would you say that if your business model or your service model was strictly focused on the investment side, like some businesses are, that you would be having a more difficult time in your communications with clients, but also in retaining clients? Without a doubt. I think anyone, at least in today's day and age, when you can get portfolio management, strictly investment management for 20, 25, 30 basis points at a Betterment type of shop or any other robo-advisor, that if your value proposition is investment and pie charts and outperformance, that you know, times like these are when clients, you know, certainly see right through that. And for most advisors, at least in my professional opinion, to put yourself out there as having a transparent crystal ball to be able to outperform index A or index B or index C, frankly, is silly. And obviously, you know, times like these, I think really are when people suffer if in fact that's their value proposition. I'm not suggesting that investment and portfolio management aren't important. You know, they are a core competency of what we do at PowerPoint, but uh, just one of, you know, 50, 75, 100 different components of a well-orchestrated and coordinated overall plan. Yeah, we see it the exact same way. That's fantastic. So let's change gears a little bit to, we'll say, the, the fun stuff. Let's talk a little bit about social media and some of the creative marketing techniques that you've undertaken. I know in, in following you on LinkedIn and other mediums that in normal times, you are extremely active and innovative with what you're putting out um, into the market. So I'm really curious to hear how in a time like this where interpersonal communication is so important, what it is that you and your PowerPoint team are doing differently and what have you kind of kept the same as far as your outward communication um, as you try to navigate this crisis? Fun question, for sure. And I mean, this is one of the, the myriad of reasons why we made the decision to go to a completely and fully independent RIA platform in lieu of, you know, being at the wirehouse uh, as we were a few years ago. Perfect and, and central example of uh, the question that you asked me is the importance of video and the, the, the ability to really scale a message not just uh, you know through an email or, or even through audio via a phone call, but to be able to scale a video message to a wide audience has been an extremely powerful and impactful way for us to make a difference. And so at the height of the, the crisis, at the height of this immediate and precipitous decline that we were going through in the markets and when everything uh, you know, truly looked like it was going to you know what in a handbasket, we saw the handwriting on the wall where this shelter in place mandate, at least here in California, was not going to be optional and was going to, in fact, be mandatory. And so we've been doing some video work in the past, put together uh, what we call PowerPoint tips, where we were talking about various topical issues that we felt uh, would be of use to prospects and the clients. 
But in this case, I immediately recognized that we had to get a message out as fast as possible to as many people as possible and do so in a cohesive, intelligent fashion. And so we were able to script and film and produce a six and a half minute special PowerPoint message given by me uh, to our entire audience within 48 hours. Our director of, of uh, research and analytics, these are technology guys as well, his name is Nathan Billigmeyer, uh, was able to turn that production around, get that uploaded to the PowerPoint Wealth YouTube channel. We also immediately coordinated that then with our, our web girl. Uh, her name is Nikki Dawson at TaylorMade Web Creations and have a cohesive process for being able to get all that produced and then out there via social media channels, PowerPoint on Instagram, PowerPoint on LinkedIn, obviously, PowerPoint on Facebook and PowerPoint on Twitter. And then in addition to that, we also have been utilizing Vesterly for our mass email program. And we sent out a Vesterly blast to all 1,900 of our contacts, all containing the link to that video. And I think as of last week, we had like 750 or 800 views of it, which was great because, you know, a lot of people really appreciated the personal touch and being able to see me deliver, I don't want to say a somber message, but a direct message, a real message. And, you know, the theme of the, the message was, hey, you know, it, it's difficult, but it's temporary. And uh, it was a very nice way to be able to work efficiently and with alacrity, be able to uh, get that type of marketing out there that quickly. That's fascinating. And given that you're your own registered investment advisor, what was the approval process or any sort of legal work you had to do before making this video, which presumably at least talked a little bit about the market, out to your client base into your prospect list? Uh, it's a great question. Well, in addition to being president, I'm CCO. And uh, because we're a six-person boutique firm, again, we're able to truly move with alacrity. So we do work with an outside compliance firm that helps us you know, go through and make intelligent decisions from a compliance standpoint. But uh, after a quick review of the script, we were off to the races and I'm the CCO. So I said it's a go and we were good to go. That's nice to be able to operate and be that nimble when many of your former colleagues and many of your listeners probably wouldn't even dream of being able to get a customized video out to the market in a condensed period of time, which obviously is is of the utmost importance. Without a doubt. How about in terms of social media, in terms of in marketing, in terms of growing the business? Have you seen any sort of contact or uptick in new folks either signing on as clients or that have been in contact with you because of this extra amount of communication your firm's doing? Yes. So, I mean, for starters, I think anyone who is intelligent about recognizing, again, not to be overly cliche, but that this is game seven of the World Series for financial advisors. I mean, clearly with this chaos and uncertainty comes uh, just a huge dose of opportunity. And so if you're not ready and prepared to A, work your butt off and B, leverage the right uh, communication channels to, to get that message out there and get in front of as many people as possible, you know, obviously, in my opinion, you're making a huge mistake. One of the things that we did develop uh, subsequent to the YouTube video and that special message was a white paper. It's just a simple three-page white paper. The title of the white paper was Making Lemonade Out of Lemon. And it itemized 14 different ideas slash opportunities to be considering to take advantage of during this coronavirus crisis. 
And so we, once we had that white paper developed and produced, we then developed a landing page. And the landing page basically was a solicitation to download this white paper. And if the prospect found that interesting, all they do is enter their first name, last name, and email address. And the value exchange is we get your contact information. They then get to download the white paper. So we've been doing some retargeting with our network on LinkedIn, working with a Facebook marketing company to better market that landing page as well. But again, just to have the opportunity to be able to do those type of things to do some cold prospecting has been fantastic. And then in addition to that, having the capability to do Zoom meetings and to send this report out with some handwritten notes. We've really gotten in the ear of a lot of prospective clients who you know, wouldn't really be willing to take our call previously. And now you know, people are excited to do Zoom meetings. And you know, it's been interesting to kind of be the, the technology pioneer for people who've never done a Zoom meeting before. And now we're organizing one. I, I had a Zoom meeting with a prospect last week for the first time, Lewis. And uh, he just wanted to talk with me on the phone, but I kind of pushed to have the Zoom meeting. And after 45 minutes, he said, hey, I'm really happy we did it this way. And to be able to connect with someone in a visual aspect as well as an audio aspect has been fantastic. It must be just completely night and day between where you are today in April of 2020, navigating this crisis, but thinking back to 12 years ago or so in 2008, 2009, when you were an employee at Wells Fargo, how did that experience in 2008 inform what you're doing now? And can you compare and contrast what a day in the life of, uh, of Joe Eshelman has looked like in these two different operating environments? Oh boy, talk about absolute paradox in terms of environment. You know, uh, <laughs> it should not come as a huge surprise, but you know, it literally is night and day. And I mean, I think the one good thing about, if you want to call it good, having the experience of going through, you know, the dot bomb of '02, and then obviously the Great Recession and the financial crisis of '08, is obviously advisors. You know, if you're intelligent, smart, proactive, I mean, you earn your stripes in terms of just understanding the, the art that goes into having delicate conversations with clients. I think that's you know only a skill that's gained with experience. I don't think there's any other way around that. Conversely, in terms of the ability to communicate with clients and prospective clients in a way that's efficient and suitable to what they're looking at, you know, everyone wants to be communicated with differently, to have 20 different levers to pull instead of three different levers to pull has truly been you know, a night and day difference on the independent side. And obviously, it's a huge and scary step to make that choice. Again, Lewis, all the cliches are true in terms of wish we would have done this earlier and clients wish we would have done it earlier as well. But uh, to be able to have this competitive advantage uh, over anybody who's an employee of any major firm on Wall Street has been, you know, it's, it's why I get up at 4.30 every morning. I'm going to get charged up by it. And, you know, it's, you've got this opportunity to win and to, to pluck low-hanging fruit. And uh, so I, you just, I, I don't want to waste a minute of, of this opportunity, not only just being independent, but unfortunately, this crisis has created a lot of opportunity and we don't want to miss it. Exactly. I think the, the operative word is opportunity and making lemonade out of lemons, to use your analogy, Joe, is the only way to, to move through this. And the best advisors rise to the occasion. And it sounds like you're doing just that. With that in mind, though, have any of your clients raised concerns about you being a standalone independent firm versus back in 2009 and 2008, 
when you had the backing of a multinational financial institution that was on the statements and that that signed your paychecks. Has have any of your clients voiced concern or been been uneasy about that? Not at all. And I think once clients understood that we, you know, <laughs> we have a as Dynasty helped us to craft our marketing message. You know, we talk about the triangulation of the advice, meaning you're just hiring TowerPoint to be your advisory firm. Your assets, your accounts, your money is held at Charles Schwab in our case. Obviously, Charles Schwab is a huge, well-recognized name. And so a short answer to your question is there's, there's absolutely no concerns, hasn't been any concerns whatsoever with PowerPoint Wealth being a fully independent shop. People know, you know, you don't have your money with us. We're not custodying your money. We're working with Schwab as a custodian and they're a multi-trillion dollar firm that's just as big and solid as, you know, Wells Fargo, where we came from. So that has not been an issue at all. Which is great. And how about working with Dynasty? And even with Schwab, have you been, quote unquote, leaning in to your trusted vendors? And what sort of additional leverage points have the Dynasty teams and your custodian and Schwab been able to deploy toward your business so that you can work with your clients in a more efficient manner? Nobody's perfect. We could not be happier with Schwab as our custodian and all of the support, attention, and resources that they provide. And in conjunction, with having Schwab there as, you know, obviously the custodian for TowerPoint and everything that they bring to the table, to also have Dynasty, kind of a silly analogy, but we've coined the term little big brother that Dynasty, you know, has helped us, you know, manage and, and navigate, you know, just about all aspects of, of running a fully independent shop. So as an acute example of what Dynasty has been able to do to help give us tools and resources that frankly, might not be available to other RIA firms. Over the past week, Dynasty has put together their own program specific to the Paycheck Protection Program. And as you may or may not be aware, uh, you know, obviously this huge stimulus plan included $349 billion of money for small and medium-sized businesses. Parts of these loans, depending on how you're taking the money, could end up being fully forgivable. And the problem that a lot of small businesses have had is A, their bank not giving them the attention that they need in order to apply for it properly, or B, having a very fragmented approach to applying for this Paycheck Protection Program loan. And Dynasty actually white labeled a program that basically is kind of a TSA pre-check type of fast pass lane that has allowed our clients the ability to go in and take advantage of this PPP program with an elevated level of efficiency, priority, monitoring, and service, basically doing everything in their power to ensure that uh, these loan requests are being processed uh, properly. And it's been a huge competitive advantage for us, not just as a firm, because we've applied for uh, one of these loans, uh, but to be able to be a truly value add for a lot of clients and prospective clients has been close to a home run. As an example, I had a former client at Wells Fargo who has not yet decided to, to see the light and, and join us here at TowerPoint, but I don't think it's an if, I think it's a when. And they happened to bank with Wells. And I don't know if you saw in the news, but Wells had shut down any loans that they were doing underneath the uh, Paycheck Protection Program. And I had just uh, sent a cold email out to this you know, former client 
saying, hey, we've got this program that gives you this fast pass and immediate access to the PPP. And uh, they came back to me you know, six hours later saying, thank you so much. And we're with Wells. We weren't able to you know, get through and to apply for that. And now that you have this program with Dynasty and the Dynasty partnered with First Home Bank in St. Petersburg, Florida, in order to, to build this out, just a huge, absolute huge value add to product and service that people can't find anywhere. So it's been great. That's outstanding. And that's that's the definition of value add is being there with a creative solution. Absolutely. And at the time the clients need you the most. That that's what makes you that's what makes you memorable. And it sounds like it's also a clear example of something you were able to do differently and um, kind of outside the box from what you could have done at Wells, where nothing against Wells Fargo as a as a bank, but if you're an advisor at Wells Fargo, you can only help your clients on the lending side through Wells Fargo, as opposed to working through an outside uh, lender and a multitude of lenders like you can as an RIA. Yep. You would have got our wrist slapped for selling away if it would have suggested anybody other than Wells. And yeah, semi-understandable because, you know, we were employees of the firm and have an obligation to our employer. If that's not the case, we can literally take advantage and lever whatever we feel is in our client's best interest as a fiduciary to them. So last question as it relates to this moment in time, this, this coronavirus crisis that we're going through, as we begin to come out of this, what are one or two things that your firm has either done differently or adapted that you think for the positive is going to stick around once people return to work and we're quote unquote back to normal? I like to think that during times of crisis, and again, this kind of gets back to the, the, the very general or generic adding value in different ways, in unique ways that, you know, there, there may not be a tangible new client that walks into Tower Point Wealth's door because of all of the work and all the value add that we've been trying to do in a proactive way since this crisis started. But I'm a firm believer in, you know, this value add capital that we continue to, to add to the bank. And as things knock on wood, turn the corner here, and you know we're all hopeful that uh, we get back to some semblance of normalcy, that the work, the proactiveness, the care, the sincere directness that we've taken with clients, you know, we're not just here to sugarcoat things and you know walk around with rose-colored glasses on saying everything's going to be honky-dory, but just having you know those very sincere conversations, even if they're not always pleasant, I think we'll go a very, very long way towards not only taking care of current clients, but you know, having a process that's defined in place and be able to help clients understand the importance of, of following that process, because that's the only thing that we do have control over. Again, independent of the market up or down or you know, what the next crisis du jour might be, will really afford us the ability not only to take care of clients, but to grow as they feel much more comfortable sending referrals and introductions in our direction which I think also can be said for, you know, centers of influence, which, you know, obviously have a huge impact on our growth as well. So just the, the, the importance of not trying to hit home runs specific to what we're doing from an investment philosophy standpoint and uh, just helping clients to understand that independent of, you know, what the markets may or may not be doing or what the economy may or may not be doing or what society may or may not be doing, that tower point wealth will always be a constant in their lives and will always be someone that they know they can rely on for good information and objective counsel 
has been cemented during the crisis. And that's something that makes me very excited. As a younger advisor, and I mean that um, the most positive way uh, that I can. I'll take it. You, <laughs> you, you sit in front of a, a huge opportunity with the average age of advisors in this industry well into yeah. their 50s. You're in a very active financial advisor community in Northern California. You mentioned one inorganic opportunity that's come to fruition. What's your strategy for going after the inorganic market going forward? And what would be your quick elevator pitch to why a retiring advisor or an individual advisor might want to sell their business or merge their operation with PowerPoint? Yeah, well, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm 44 years old and, you know, yeah. You know, when I was at Wells, I was the young guy in the office. And now here at PowerPoint, I'm actually the oldest one here, which is great. Um, that's kind of a sidebar, but I think that's important to our clients as well from a continuity standpoint is for as experienced as we are, we're still you know, very youthful just in terms of the team members here at PowerPoint. Separate side conversation also, I think, has to do with you know, how proactive we are with digital marketing and you know, our online presence and you know, a lot of those opportunities that maybe aren't being harnessed nearly as much by, you know, the average advisor who's 56, 58, 60 years old and perhaps turning the corner on their career and looking to retire. So we see that as low-hanging fruit as well, um, you know, which could be a conversation for a different podcast. But specific to, you know, what we're doing from the standpoint of M&A is not only proactively reaching out to advisors who are at the big Wall Street firms, we're looking at people from Edward Jones, we're looking at salaried advisors at other firms. We're also looking at taking people in that have experience in the business, and then we can actually coach them up to be a financial advisor at some point in time as they continue to acquire that skill set. Dynasty, in support of PowerPoint Wealth, also has a big uh, M&A uh, sector or uh, support service as well, and they're pairing us with opportunities as well. Steve Pitcher, who I just mentioned, uh, went to a CPA mixer in Davis, California, which is neighboring to Sacramento, and ran into an advisor in Davis that is looking to, to obviously perhaps shift gears with what he's doing with his practice. So I guess short answer is bottom line, playing in traffic in as many different ways as possible, you know, and having conversations with as many different uh, financial professionals as we're able to. Probably 85% of those won't be the right fit, but, uh, you know, to be able to play in traffic enough to sift through to the 15% where it might make some sense. You know, that's obviously how we're, we're looking to grow on an inorganic level. Very interesting. And let's walk back a couple of steps to say it's 2015 or 2016 when you're, you're at Wells Fargo, you're growing your business, you're doing your thing. You had told me recently that independence was always something that was on your mind. It was a curiosity. You couldn't help but realize or, or read about teams you respected or had heard about making the jump from wirehouse to the independent sector. What was it initially that made you kind of perk up when you heard about independence and have those impressions of the independent space, have they changed for better or worse now that you're immersed in it and operating a thriving business? Well, I worked hard when I was at Wells, but not as hard as I am now. I'll tell you that much because uh, in addition to wearing the financial advisor hat, I also wear the president's hat. But uh, it's certainly an investment in energy that uh, is an enjoyable one for the most part, understanding that, you know, we, we're, we're building this ship piece by piece. And, and so far, it's been, you know, nothing short of absolutely a fantastic journey along the way. 
very difficult, very challenging the whole time. Absolutely. But two main things come to mind. A, not being, not enjoying being told what to do, which 88% of the time or 90% of the time at Wells, we, we had a large degree of autonomy and that's great. But, uh, you know, the 8, 10, 12% of the time where we wanted to do something or help a client in a certain way and, and weren't able to because of a rule or a compliance roadblock uh, became frustrating. And that frustration is something that you can tolerate, but it continues to eat at you and build and build and build. So needless to say, having the freedom to truly run a business the way that you want to run a business and to have the freedom to build and grow a family in terms of you know the, the team here at TowerPoint who I rarely call a team in favor of the family because the culture here is awesome. We work our tails off, but we have a heck of a lot of fun with each other as well. And Louis, I would literally take a bullet for any one of those people on our team. And to be able to do uh, you know, a corporate retreat to Lake Tahoe like we did last year, or to do a team building event at the Sacramento Smash Room where we're going in and uh, you know breaking plates and printers and you know, whatnot and unloading for a half an hour just to relieve stress or whatever the case might be, just to be able to share these types of experiences, you know, with, with my fellow PowerPoint Wealth team slash family members has been a very enjoyable experience. And it's fun to be able to, to, to build something that we think is going to be sustainable over generations here in Sacramento in terms of the growth of PowerPoint as a firm, to be able to do so next to people who you, you know, truly, you can say that you love. I hope I don't sound too corny, but uh, I'm very, very sincere about that. So, you know, to be able to, you know, the, the economic benefits of, of being an independent shop, I think are going to be clear over time as well. Uh, to, to look at the type of equity that we're building and, and the type of growth that we're able to take advantage of. I can't tell you how many times I remember sitting at my desk while I was at Wells being frustrated in trying to talk with a prospect about why I would be right for them as their financial advisor. And yet not being able to do A, B, C, or D. You know, I, why can't I connect with you on Facebook? Or why can't we, you know, send a text message to each other? Or, you know, just all these little rules and regulations really add up, creating friction to cultivating relationships in the way that we want to cultivate those. So be in this environment, I would not trade it for the world. And I think there's a reason why when advisors tend to take the independent route. I don't know what the statistics are. You guys, I'm sure, are the experts on it, but very few go the opposite direction. That's exactly right. We're talking about M&A, and we're talking about this business that you're in the process of building. In process seems like the operative word, that it's, it's always a work in progress and always trying to make it bigger and better. But this industry, whether you're a wirehouse advisor or you're in one of our independent channels, the word scale gets thrown around a lot. And mm -hmm. there isn't a clear, concise definition for what being at scale means or who's at scale and who's not. But it's definitely a word that gets thrown around in the M&A market where a lot of businesses that are looking to go to the next level or are struggling either with innovating or keeping up with some of the bigger firms in the industry, they cite the desire to gain scale as a reason for eventually mm -hmm. transacting their business. So I'm curious at 230, 235 million or so in assets, whether you feel like you have enough scale to invest in the business the way you want to, or are there things that if capital were no object that you would want to do on behalf of your clients and on behalf of the other stakeholders in your business? I think that if we 
turned off all M&A objectives at Tower Point Wealth, that we would still be an extremely successful firm. And frankly, I would work incessantly to ensure that that happened. I think we have the tools, the technology stack, the capabilities, frankly, I believe, to compete with anyone. However, to your point, scale is not binary, number one, right? Um, I think scale is always kind of a work in process and an evolution as a firm. But I do know that from an economic standpoint, the more of it that you have, the more valuable the firm becomes and more efficiently that you're able to work. And certainly all those are beneficial, not from the standpoint of just growing enterprise value, but also to some extent, obviously, with, with how you're able to service clients and you know, how many clients you're able to service and therefore how much revenue you're able to bring in. So you know, I think short answer to your question is that in doing this now going on three years, it's been interesting to, to wear the president's hat a little bit more and more and more every month than the previous month as you know, Tower Point Wealth you know, specifically grows away from a Joe Eshelman firm to you know, a living, breathing firm on its own. And uh, to be able to put scale behind that by taking opportunities to selectively add employees and uh, potentially advisors as well. I think will just give us additional flexibility, not just from a capital standpoint, but also from an enterprise value standpoint. You know, at 230 or 250 million dollars, and I don't know, maybe we're worth five or six times EBITDA, but if we double that number and we're a 500 million dollar firm or a billion dollar firm, all of a sudden we could be, a, you know, looking at a multiple of seven and a half or eight. So certainly it makes sense to shoot for taking it to the next level we're able to carry a multiple that's uh, 20, 30, 40% higher than what we're carrying today. We're not looking to sell this place, but at some point, we all want to derive the economic benefit from the equity that we have here. And no better way to do that than to scale up with uh, those multiples, you know, moving upwards as well. Yeah, absolutely. And talking about things like operating leverage and get to a point where fixed costs can remain consistent and each incremental dollar of revenue just goes straight to EBITDA. And as your multiples increase, so does your enterprise value, which ultimately is, is what you're working for. I got two more quick questions for you. Please. One is just, I'd say, a quick two or three word answer that I'm looking for. Um, what percentage of your time do you find yourself running the business and being President Joe versus being Advisor Joe and acting more like you did at Wells Fargo, where you were an advisor who, who was in charge of a team, but really you're most of the day-to-day -day operational work was handled by the firm. 50-50. And as much as I love and expect to continue to be a financial advisor for a select group of Joe Eshelman clients, the passion and the desire to see Tower Point Wealth become the premier wealth management firm in the greater Sacramento Valley certainly gives me incentive to continue to tip that percentage in favor of President Joe, if you will. So we're working hard every day to, to you know, have that happen even if that means introducing current clients to uh, you know, other advisors at the firm, or as we grow organically or inorganically, being able to offload a lot of the client-centric responsibilities that I currently have to somebody else in an appropriate fashion frees me up to be CEO and president and to orchestrate the growth of the firm. Absolutely. And really thinking of your business as a business, because now it physically is a business, but like in most businesses, you want to transition from being the rainmaker, being the person whose value is um, is 
everything is, is intrinsically tied up in to transferring it to other members of your firm so that you can be interchangeable with Jonathan and with, with other trusted members of your team. That's the best way to unlock future value. Only way. <laughs> I agree. One last question. If you were speaking directly to, maybe not directly these days, but you were on a Zoom conference call with the wirehouse advisor who has been, been considering independence for some time, but they're not really certain if it's for them, what would be your biggest piece of advice for them that now with three years of hindsight and going through a transition process that you would want to download to them? Well, it's not right for everybody, number one. So, you know, don't just do it because it's a cool thing to do or because, uh, you know, what Louis Diamond says to do or whatever. I mean, obviously, I think this environment has to be appropriate for the right type of advisor. Now, with that being said, to be a little bit more direct in the way they answer your question, it boils down to whether or not you enjoy being an employee and receiving W-2 wages versus having an opportunity to be part of something and to participate in equity and book value of a firm and not be one of 12,000 advisors for a major firm on Wall Street versus somebody here in the greater Sacramento area or whatever the case might be throughout the country that truly has a platform that allows you to service a client in their best interest as a fiduciary, which is still a huge competitive advantage for us, versus sitting there and going into your desk every day as, as just a, a regular wirehouse person. And that doesn't make it a bad thing to be a wirehouse person. I think obviously that role still suited for a lot of people, but I mean, we know what the numbers say. And, and you know, as Wayne Gretzky said, you skate to where the puck is going, not to where it is. You know, the exodus is going to continue. And we're excited at Tower Point to be somewhat ahead of that in the greater Sacramento area. And for a you know, wirehouse advisor that, you know, perhaps has a vision of greater than just being a regular employee going to the office every day to be in an environment like the one that I just painted for you is, is certainly, if you don't find it attractive, then obviously we're not the right place for you. Definitely. Thank you very much, Joe. This has been extremely informative and we're especially appreciative that in crazy times like this, that you were willing and excited to take some time out of your day to share not only how you're spending your days today, but some of the really innovative and exciting things you've been able to do on behalf of your clients. So on behalf of uh, all of us here at Diamond Consultants, thank you very much for your time. Lewis, my pleasure. So you're welcome. As Joe so aptly shared, if your value proposition is based on pie charts and performance, clients will see right through that, especially in times of crisis. His ability to look at this as an opportunity to better engage with clients and prospects is a key differentiator that will serve his firm long after the storm passes. I thank you for listening, and I encourage you to visit our website, diamond-consultants.com, and click on the tools and resources link for valuable content. You'll also find a link to subscribe for regular updates to the series. And if you're not a recipient of our weekly email, Perspectives for Advisors, click on the blog link to browse recent articles. These written pieces are an ideal way to stay informed about what's going on in the wealth management space without expending the energy that full-on exploration requires. 
feel free to email or call me if you have specific questions. I can be reached at 908-879-1002 or by cell these days at 973-476-8578 or by email at mdiamond at diamond-consultants.com. Please note that all requests are handled with complete discretion and confidentiality. And again, if you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to share it with a colleague who might benefit from its content. A special thanks to advisorhub.com for sharing this podcast with their viewers and subscribers. This is Mindy Diamond on Independence. Independence.